As a driven dentist, you see the world differently. Where some see scarcity, you see abundance. When others want to give up, you keep going. You're building an amazing life of significance. That means you can't rely on ordinary advice from ordinary advisors to get to your goals. You want advice that's going to help maximize your net worth so you can take even better care of the people you love, the causes you care about, and make your dent in the universe. But the fact is, this advice remains hidden because relatively few professionals are well-versed in them, and the extremely affluent don't care to let you know about them. Join us as we pull back the curtain to reveal the often hidden advice and strategies used by today's most successful individuals and families. Welcome to Dental Wealth Nation. Here's your host, Tim McNeely. Hey, welcome everyone. I am so excited to be here with you in 2022 and I am excited for a fantastic year and hopefully you are too, but uh, we want to set you off on the right foot. We really want to help you be even more successful. We want to make this your best year ever. And if you pay attention to today and if you implement some of the things you hear, this may be the most influential hour that you've spent in your entire year. And by the time we finish today, you're really going to know why you, that's right, you are the number one secret of success in your dental practice. It's not your team. It's not your marketing company. It's not anyone else. It's you. And more importantly, you're going to have some tangible action items that you can implement with your team starting today, right now. And you're going to leave feeling inspired and ready to take action. And, and I am so excited today. We're going to be talking with Kiara Dent from the uh, Dental A-Team. And she has an absolute love for life that you're going to hear, a love for dentistry. She's a fellow podcast host who runs the, the Dental A-Team. And, and, and her and her team have helped over 350 dental practices, your peers, reduce stress, increase patient and team morale, and your profitability by doing easy to take steps. Eh? And she's going to help you do the same today. So Kiara, welcome to the show. Ah, oh, Tim, I'm so excited to be here. I love what you guys do. I love your passion. I love that you are um, on the same mission to help just share the secrets. It's really not secrets. It's just giving great, great advice. I mean, there's so much around us. Um, and I really love that you you dive deep, you're a dentist you're, as well. And I really love um, the opportunity to be here. So thank you. I'm, I'm jazzed. I'm excited to kick off 2022 with you. Yeah, right. Well, what a great start to the year. And right, it, it, passion, right? That comes through in, in your voice. It comes through in everything that you do. It, and, and passion is absolutely important. So so share a little bit why you have such a love for, for dentistry. Well, I uh, believe it or not, my last name really is Dent. I get asked that all the time if it's a stage name and it's not. Um, I just got engaged three different times to get that last name. So, uh, <laughs> um, but I believe it or not, I actually started out wanting to wear scrubs. And I was in high school and I thought, okay, I could either become a nurse or a dental assistant. And I'm a highly efficient person. I don't prefer the term lazy, prefer the term efficient. And I thought, hmm, learn the whole body, learn the mouth, uh, definitely going to be a dental assistant. So that's honest to goodness why I even got into dentistry. Um, I actually did not love my class. I was a pretty terrible dental assistant at the beginning. I hit my doctor in the head with the overhead light. Um, I definitely learned you should never ever, ever spray air into an open socket unless you want to splatter your doctor's face with blood. That was not a great um, experience. I was terrible in taking impressions. I remember um, our office manager came in, I was taking impressions, and I legitimately had alginate in this poor patient's hair. And my office manager said, Kira, 
what are you doing back here? And I said, oh, you know, I'm just taking some impressions. But I realized I love dentistry so much. I um, was getting my bachelor's actually in marriage and family therapy. And I was interviewing in um, Oklahoma. That's I, I was accepted to Oklahoma State and also Maryland. And I remember in my Oklahoma interview, <laughs> I should have been answering questions about why I wanted to be a therapist. And honest to goodness, all I could think about was um, the patients back at the practice. And I was like, oh, I wonder how that crown prep's going. I wonder how that crown seed's going. Um, and I had an epiphany right then and there that I, I didn't really want to go the marriage and family therapy route. I actually loved working on patients and not having them tell me their life versus being in therapy where they would tell me their whole life. So fast forward, um, I ended up, so I was a dental assistant, a treatment coordinator, a scheduler, a biller, uh, office manager. And I actually, my husband's a pharmacist. And when he went to Midwestern in Arizona, I landed the jackpot and got to work in their dental college. So really getting to see dentists experience of going through dental school. Um, I would definitely pull pranks on all the students. Uh, you guys all get stressed out for your practicals and I would hide behind uh, the, the mailboxes and I'd reach my hand through and grab your hands. I would like put my face in the mailboxes just because your jitters are so high. And I'm like, guys, life is like, you got to laugh a little bit through it. So, um, but I just, I think that gave me such a strong love for the dentist and the future of dentistry. So I helped a student straight out of school. Um, we took our first practice from 500,000 to 2.4 million in nine months and opened our second location. Um, now there are seven locations all together. And I thought, hmm, I know a lot of dentists and I feel like I have a moral obligation to help them be successful. Um, I've seen them as baby dentists in school and I want to help them just flourish because I'm on a mission to have the greatest positive impact in dentistry. And I thought, hmm, if I can help more dentists be successful and give back to their communities and be great bosses to their team members, that's the way I can give back in my way. And so I went to my friend's office and said, hey, I'm going to practice consulting on you. I don't even know what the heck a consultant should do, but I'm going to try this. And so within three days, um, we took him. He was averaging about a $5,000 a day. He had five operatories. And by my third day, I had scheduled him up to a $12,000 a day, and he was able to do it with ease and flow and help more patients. And we were able to take him from doing about $90,000 a month up to $150,000 um, within his first month. And that has continued. He's grown successfully. And then that caught the eye of Mark Costas with uh, Dental Success Institute. So Mark and I worked together for about four years. I rode warrior across the nation, um, seeing hundreds of different practices DSOs, multi-practices, startup practices, and just starting to realize that there were themes and there were patterns. Um, and that's why we started the podcast was to grow your guys' team members easily. But just really, um, I, I think dentistry is such a, a powerful place. I think our smiles are one of the biggest confidence builders of the human body. And so to be able to give back this confidence to our patients, to me, just lights me up. And I think it's one of, we are truly in the best profession, in my opinion. So I'm excited to give back in any way possible, share, share the knowledge, share the secrets. They're not really secrets, but tangible tips that can really help you guys grow and um, expand what you believe is possible in your business and yourself. Yeah. Wow. No, I, I and I share that passion with you. And I, and I love hearing that because I, I am so aligned with you. I, I am convinced beyond anything else that, that dentistry is one of the best professions on the face of this planet, right? You get to have an impact. You, you get to, you get to build the practice that you want, right? You get to build your own boat, so to speak. You get to figure out what your path looks like. You don't have sure. anyone else telling you, you get to figure that out and you can really build the lifestyle, the practice that you want. And, and 
I don't know too many other professions where you can do that. And so dentistry is, I, I just, I'm in love with it. And I, I married a dentist. And so that, that's where my passion comes from. You know, you and I, we work with a lot of dentists every night. I sleep with one every night too. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we, you know, we kind of joke about secrets and, and the reality is like you just mentioned, there really is no secret. Is there? I, I don't think so. I, I actually have been studying a lot of business and I mean, I'm obsessed. I bought a URL called business intrigue. Like that's the next business idea I want to do, but I've just kind of been thinking about it. And I realized, I think actually it's, it's execution. That is the secret. We have knowledge that inundates us day in and day out. We're surrounded by it, but it's actually having the discipline to execute that I firmly believe is, is the only secret out there. That's what I feel separates the successful practices from the not. I mean, I can sit here and there's really no difference amongst most consulting companies. It's their vibe, their style. Does that resonate with you? But it's more, are you going to execute on this? Like they can give you the roadmap. You guys learned it in dental school, but if you don't actually execute and practice and, and become obsessed with mastering it, um, that's where I feel like that's the true secret out there of, of successful practices versus ones that just struggle and, and can't quite get off the ground. Now, do I think that there are some things we should share amongst all Absolutely. And I'm an open book. Ask any questions, email me anytime. I love answering questions. I geek out on it all day long, but truly I think it's, it's execution and simplifying that are the true secrets to, to running a successful practice and being a successful owner as well. Yeah, no, I, and I couldn't agree more, right? You, you know, you're inundated every single day with so many things that you can do, so many ideas that you can, you know, put in your practice. But it really comes down to, are you going to do them, right? Are you going to do those vital few actions that are really going to move the needle for you? And so, you know, you, we're starting off the year here, right? If you're a dentist listening to this and you're thinking about your practice, you know, what are some good starting points just to, to really think about your, your practice and, and where you want to go this year? Ah. Tim, I love this question because I am a huge firm believer that one of the number one things is you got to know where you actually want to go. Um, that doesn't mean go sing kumbaya in the forest and figure it out. It genuinely means like, what type of life do you want to have? And I'm speaking specifically to owners right now, to those doctors, team members though, I'm always an advocate for teams. I'm a team member myself. And so, um, but doctors, I really think it's paramount. And I just did a podcast on the Dental Team podcast where I talked about you dentists, I need to know as a team member where you actually want to go. And I'm going to speak very transparently as a team member. I actually am not judging you. Yes, I know there are a few team members who do judge, but 99.9% .9 of us as team members, our number one thing is just your number one thing. We love to help you. We want to help you. As a dental assistant, I was obsessed with being five steps ahead of you. I loved it. I was so excited. Like my number one motive was to make your life easier as a treatment coordinator. My number one motive was to get that schedule dialed in perfect puzzle pieces and have it actually to be the number you wanted it to be. I just need to know where you want to go. So I would say that's actually a great thing. Kicking it off in January, um, I'm running a webinar and Tim, I'm going to put this out there. Anyone who wants to come or would like access to it, it's on January 21st and it's a two hour deep dive kickoff for only our platinum clients, but I'm going to extend it to your community. So anybody who'd like to come, um, or if it's afterwards, I'm happy to share it with you guys. But it's a deep dive of reviewing your 2021, seeing where you where you killed it. Like, where were you so successful with your team, with your business, with who you were as a person? And then let's look to see in those areas where maybe we had some blind spots. And then boil all that down to, if you could only have three wigs, we're going to pull from EMA 3 Revisited, 
What are those three wildly important goals that are must for you? And making those smart, tangible, because as a team member, I want to grow. I want you to grow. Growth is like, that's happiness in life. People that are progressing are happy. And so doctors, don't be afraid. Like if you want to double your practice this year, if we want to drop insurances, if you want to have, uh, like I recommend that you at least have a 10% growth with a 50% overhead. Those are the numbers that I'm going after because I know if you are successful, profitable, you are going to make my life as a team member more secure. You're going to be able to benefit me more. We're going to be able to help more patients give back to our community at a greater level. And so that's where I think to kick this off, get those three tangible goals placed that are smart, measurable, and then break it down per quarter and have your team start tracking with you. So many people are terrified to bring in numbers, to talk about the, the growth of the practices. But I will promise you, if your team can take on that mentality that as your numbers grow, that is our measuring stick of how many patients we're helping, how we're giving back to our community on a greater level. And that is our measuring stick. The more patients we're able to serve and help, um, the better we're able to serve our community as well. So I think that that's a great way you guys can kick it off, take it to your team. And then docs, once you get your vision, take it to your team and have them build on it. I've done this with hundreds of practices, and I will tell you, probably 90% of the time, I mean, I might have had one or two offices in that time, the team members usually have goals that are far larger than what that dentist can even think of. They usually want to grow you further than you even think you want to do. And so don't, don't limit your team because most of the time they'll grow that boat much faster then you'll even think that they can do it and they'll be motivated and excited because they took ownership on it versus it just being directed from you. Yeah, no, I, and I think when you mentioned clarity, that's so important because so often in life, right, you just aren't quite sure where you want to go. And, and, and you talk about growth, right? Growth may not necessarily be numbers for your practice either. It may be growth in overall happiness of the practice or, or growth in, you know, better treatment outcomes or, or growth in community involvement. So there, there's all sorts of different ways that you can implement growth in your practice, isn't there? 100%. And that's why I think it's being okay. So like you can have growth around numbers. You can have growth. Like last year, I was a terrible owner when it came to culture of my company. We had a yucky culture and I realized my core values were driving a culture that just was of an entitlement community. And I said, okay, my goal is to become a marketing master. It's to improve our culture exponentially. And the way I measured that was I did surveys throughout the year that were anonymous and I gave myself a rating on those surveys. So those intangible feel goods, you can still measure. Um, and then we also had our, our revenue goals. And so those were my main driving goals of the company, plus having the company run independent of me. That way I knew we had our systems in play, that it wasn't dependent on me as a person. And if anything ever happened to me, my team is completely secure and safe without me needing to be present for it. Don't worry, we didn't make it too good that they like really want to get rid of me, but they can run it if I'm not there. So I think like, People need to just get that. And I'll be honest, when I first started making goals and, and thinking about where I wanted to go, I wasn't clear. It was a very simple goal and growth. Um, we've always had a, a give back. Um, this year, we're doing Make-A-Wish Foundation. Last year, we did a coat drive. The year before that, we did um, Feeding the Hungry. So every single year, we have a give back that I just love. Um, our goal is to create a nonprofit by 2029. Um, but I think once you start on goals, it then starts to build that muscle, that intangible muscle of, of consistency, of execution, of, of focus, of clarity, of getting your whole team aligned and working towards one thing. I, I do an example. You guys can do this in your practice where I have everybody take a piece of paper, give you 30 seconds, and everyone makes a paper airplane. Go. 
And at the end of those 30 seconds, I tell everybody fly those planes. And it's crazy cool because those planes go in all sorts of different directions. Nobody knows how to make these planes. None of them look the same. And then I do another piece of paper and I teach everyone how to make a paper airplane. And then I teach and I put, I say, everyone, we're going to focus on this one area. I want all of you to fly your planes to this corner of the room. And it's crazy because no, not all planes get there, but all the planes look very similar. And we get much closer to that goal because we were all aligned. We all knew where we were headed and we had the tools mm -hmm. to get there. And I think when you can align your team, uh, there's so much magic that can actually happen very easily. And it's actually not hard. It's much easier. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Right. Alignment, sharing your vision. So powerful. One of the greatest exercises I've ever done and I continue to do comes from a gentleman named Cameron Harold, who used to run 1-800-GOT-JUMP. And he talks about creating a vivid vision, right? Where do you want to go? What What is the next three years, right? You sit down three years from now. What does your practice look like? What does your life look like? Don't worry about the how you're going to get there. Just what does it look like? And then you share that with your team. And like you said, they're going to come back and they're going to have bigger goals than you ever thought of. Yes. Amen. And to piggyback off of that, a book that I became obsessed with that's helped uh, practices as well, that kind of gave me the playbook of like, how do I actually do this, um, is Traction by Gina Wickman. And building that one, three, 10 year vision, I'll be honest, when I thought about 2029, I was like, wow, I'm going to be much older what does that even look like? But that mere exercise of stretching yourself to even create kind of a picture of where you want to go drastically changes what I'm doing day in and day out, how I'm thinking of today, because I know where I'm headed, at least with a tentative picture. You get to change it every quarter. You get to refine it with your team every single quarter. So it's not set in stone, which I'm a big <laughs> proponent of. I like to at least have some flexibility within. But like you said, creating that very vivid vision, I think that that's where so many practices that thrive they have a vivid vision, a practice. I just talked to yesterday. She's like, Kira, we just cleared 3 million with a 50% overhead. She's like, I remember a year ago sitting there with you. Um, we knew we were what, and the way the team set the goal was they said, what we want to do is we want to go off of our highest month from 2020. And we want to have that for all the months. And we want to break that. So what they did is they took their, their largest months, which was substantially larger than their prior months. And the, the team created this, the doctor did it. And they said, that's our goal. So it was a substantial growth for this practice and they were already maxed to capacity on hygiene. So for them to add on another doctor to find innovative ways, the team took that, but the vision was so clear. She said, we drew a picture with you, Kira. Um, we had it on a sticky pad on the back of our, our door in our break room. And all of us were looking at it all throughout the year. Every quarter we came and we planned together what to do. And she said, and it was so incredible that we hit that goal, something that we thought was so outlandish when we said it, but something we were all committed to and came up with ways to do so. Wow. Now, now, now I hear that and I, and I get super excited, but I can also practically hear all our listeners screaming at me saying, Kiara, you don't know my team. That's a great <laughs> story, but you have no idea what I deal with every day. And so, so what would you tell the, the doctor who says, man, I, I just don't think I have the team that they can do that, that, that I don't have the, the confidence in them, that, that they can pull those things off. What would you tell a doctor who says, you just have no idea what my team's like? Well, number one, I'll say, Hey, like, I just love and appreciate you for being who you are. There's no judgment here. And thank you for showing up as your transparent self. Second thing I would say is on Extreme Ownership, <laughs> a great book. If you haven't read it, definitely read it because a team is actually a direct reflection of the leader at the helm. And then the third thing I'd say to that is people aspire to the level you believe they can be. 
So uh, there was a great study done. I can't remember exactly where it was. You guys can Google it. It'll pull up. Um, I think it was actually in the book 10% Happier or The Happiness Project. One of those two is around that. Um, I think Happiness Project actually. And they talked about how um, there were these students sitting in a classroom and the teachers before the year started, they were told these three students had like off the chart IQs. Um, but the teachers were told they were not allowed to treat these students differently at all. Um, they were continually checked on randomly to see if they were giving special treatment to these off the chart IQ students. Well, of course, how a lot of studies go, these children actually didn't have higher IQs. They were just the exact same as all the other students in the class, but the teachers were told and the teachers did believe that these students were elite, that they were special. And so the teachers, they were checked on throughout the entire year to to maintain that consistency, of course, I mean, there could have been a variant, but they were really, really rigid on it. And at the end of the year, they did, they actually tested IQ of all these children. And those three children who were identified as the brilliant ones at the beginning of the year, far substantially outshined every other student on this IQ test. And what I love about that, and the reason I say this for doctors with teams, we don't realize that even subconsciously, those beliefs that we have about our team actually are creating that reality for us. If I believe that I'm constantly going to fail and I tell myself that day in and day out, I will actually create that reality. Um, I had an office manager at a practice tell me, Kira, you create your own reality. So watch the words you're saying continually. So to these doctors, I would say, first, check those three areas. Like, let's see, are you taking ownership? What are they doing? They're reflecting back to you some of your leadership. So where could you improve? And then also, could we shift that? Maybe you do need to shift. Like I will be completely transparent. Last year, we had a decent amount of shifting within our company. I had quite a few team members turn over. Welcome to 2021, the great resignation. And it was rough. It was brutal. A lot of practices had that. But what I realized is I had a clear vision and I believed that the team I had was going to go there with me and people will sort themselves out. They'll either get on board with you or they will go and find another shift that more aligns with them. So don't be afraid of that. But then also you've got to put into play these practices. So with that practice, it was number one, they set a vision as a team. Number two, weekly, they were tracking in on it. Number three, monthly, they were revisiting it. They were having the team create new ideas. And then there were a lot of other things. We did culture development. So reading books together, like uh, the energy bus or no ego or, um, there's so many great books that I could share, Atomic Habits, um, but a lot of those personal development things within the team. Um, and then also having hard conversations. So if team members aren't rising to that level, finding out why, what is getting in the way, what's stopping them? Um, because I think sometimes when we invest in people, also asking them, the team members, what their personal goals are, and then investing in that team, they're going to change. I promise you, or they're going to leave. It'll be one of the two. They'll either rise up or they'll take off. And that's great because they just created space for somebody else to come in that is aligned with your vision. You start to share that vision with new hires that you have. You say, this is where we're going. How does that align with you? And watch them give you an honest answer. On my ads that I place, I say, these are our core values. Write back the number one core value that is your top one and the one that you're going to struggle with the most. I want to see if they're self-aware before I even interview them. And so those little things can help change your team. But I'd say... First and foremost, believe your team can do it because honest to goodness, teams can blow your mind if you give them an opportunity. Yeah, right. I, I love that. And, 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 you know, when you talk about, you know, the team being a reflection of, of the leadership, right? On one hand, that's really sobering because you look around and if you don't have the greatest team, it's, it's a reflection of yourself. But, right. but at the same time, it's also really encouraging, isn't it? Because if your team is a reflection of your leadership, if you just start making little changes on yourself, that's going to trickle out to the entire team, isn't it? 
Oh, 100%. And I'm so glad you said that because I, I feel like I might have come across a little calloused on that because I remember reading Extreme Ownership. And when I read that line, it was a dagger to my soul. Right. Um, I thought, like, wow, it's me, not them. I'm like, oh, then there's so many problems. Like, it felt very overwhelming. Um, but like you said, that's where you identify, okay, like, what is the number one, two, or three problems that we're having in the practice? I'm going to look at myself, see how am I creating this day in and day out? We don't go through the whole laundry list. Like, guess what, guys? I still have a ton of things in my practice and in my companies. But reality is like, we've got to start somewhere. So I think it is a good reflection. And also, I mean, those anonymous leadership surveys, I've had a few doozies. um, But I think asking your team for true anonymous feedback on you as a leader, um, and then truly looking at it and listening to it. Um, I pull from raving fans. Uh, A great part of that book was when they said, the worst thing that can happen to a business is when people stop complaining. Because if they don't complain or tell you that your areas to improve, they've lost hope and confidence that anything will actually change. They'll just go somewhere else. And so if your team is willing to give you that feedback, if you can ask them in a way that they feel like you can give it, I had an office, good night. That doctor was struggling. There were two doctors in the practice and the whole, she kept having turnover after turnover after turnover. And we decided to create an intervention and we sent out an anonymous survey every single quarter to the team. And she started out and she had a one out of five rating from her team. People did not like her and she saw that. And I, I cried with her. It, it devastated me to see. Um, but I told her, I said, the reality that you can have 20 people give you feedback like this. So let's pick one thing this quarter that you're going to improve. And the first thing was complimenting her team. So she put a, an alarm on her phone um, every day to compliment her team genuinely, at least one person. And by the next quarter, she went up about one point. So she was a two out of five. The next quarter, she was at a 2.5. She kind of leveled out over the summer. And by the end of the year, I think she came into like a four out of five. But I what I say to that is, I think those are the pieces. Those are the secrets. That's the uncomfortable. I mean, all day long, you guys can go to CE and learn how to do sleep apnea and uh, Botox and ortho and um, all those fun things that just light your fire because you're good at dentistry. I found the successful practices are also good at the soft skills, at the leadership, at the personal reflection of how they can improve because those people really They've got boots on the ground. You've got you've got it in the trenches. So when you're coaching up your team and you're going to them, you actually have authority and and authenticity because you've been there, done that, that you can truly help them grow and give them the tools because you're doing it right alongside of them. Yeah. Wow. How how powerful. And and you know and, and I think through this conversation, the the other key thing that always strikes me, right? It's it's the role of a good coach. It's the role of a mentor. It's having someone who can help you see these things and, and actually figure out, you know, out of thousands things that you can work on, you know, what are the things you should be addressing? So, so talk a little bit about the, the role of a coach in a practice and how you work with practices. Sure. Absolutely. Um, well, it's funny because I'm actually reading, uh, the book, the road less stupid by Keith Cunningham, fantastic book, um, helps, he has helped hundreds of business, uh, owners. And today he said, gosh, I like, okay, this is going to be uncomfortable because I'm going to move the computer. So we're anybody watching this don't panic, but I feel like it's important to, uh, read this so much so that I'm willing to like make this so uncomfortable for you, Tim. Um, I marked it this morning. And so he said in here, bear with me guys. He said to Excel, we need a coach or an advisor to watch our swing and provide candid advice about what we are doing wrong and how we can do better. And I love that because I thought that's exactly right. 
I can't see it. I'm too close. I've hired a lot of coaches throughout my career. Um, and I think that that is the exact point of it. And that's, again, to excel. It's not just to survive. It's to excel. And so as a coach, um, they're able to see outside of you. And I think, again, for me, at least, I hire coaches that I believe are experts within that industry. I want people that have been there, done there. I don't just want theories and ideas of what they hope will work. I want somebody who's grown a practice to the level I want to go. I want to hear the success stories and I want to hear the failure stories. Like, why didn't it work? And so for me, I, I chose Tony Robbins as my coach. I joined their platinum partnership this year. And the reason why is because I believe he is one of the most elite consultants out there. And I want to be the most elite consulting company. I want to learn how to do better virtual events. I want to learn how they do their coaching, how they hire their coaches, how they train their coaches so I can be better as well. So I'd say that that's the piece for me, at least, of they spot your blind spots. Also, they give you the shortcut. To like, don't take the long route. They've been there. They've done that. You guys, I literally don't know how to run a consulting company, but I do know how to grow pretty much any size practice, most specialties, and it's just basic things. I know what an office manager, a true office manager, not just a title of an office manager, but what you truly should expect from your office manager. I know how to bill. I know how to get those claims paid successfully, quickly, how to do it in a very fast fashion. I know how to help doctors have hard conversations with their team members. I do not know how to prep a tooth, guys. I did work at the dental college, and you better believe I know how to like give you guys fake teeth. But that's it. I'm not going to train you on how to prep a tooth. I do know how to close 80,000 plus treatment dollar treatment plans consistently. And so I think that that's the benefit of a coach is look to see where you weep. Where, and that's like where you assess on your year of where are my blind spots? And then who can I find that is truly an expert in that field? And they, there are a lot of actually experts out there. So then I look to see who do I jive with? Who is the person that I want to become like? Because just like my hair, I look to see who's about to cut my hair because I know I'm going to walk out looking very similar to them because that's their style. Same thing with a coach. If you resonate with their style, if that person is becoming who you want to become, work with them, pick their brain, ask them questions, and don't be afraid to be vulnerable in it. Like you hired a coach, they're going to point out your blind spots. They're going to help you but make sure that they've been there, done that. I'm a person, I hate being given projects. Like, oh, I don't want my coaches to say like, hey, Kira, here's all these projects to do. I'm like, forget it. And I know dentists are busy that way. So that's why we, as the dental aid team, focus a lot on the team. If I can grow your team around you, so your office manager is driving these goals that you gave the vision for, guess what? You get to go do dentistry. You get to hang out with your family. And I'm going to give you all the tools and the resources that I'm teaching your office manager, your treatment coordinator, your hygienist, your billers. Mm -hmm. That way you have the life that you want and everybody's happy, everybody's successful. So I think that that's some of the benefits of a coach and also how to, how to select them. Ask, ask for people that are like you. Um, they, they should have worked with hundreds of different people. And whenever somebody comes to work with us, if they ever want a testimonial, I look for a practice that's very similar to them and have them talk to them, ask, because that person's going to tell you, um, things that I did well and things that I didn't do well. And I'm always asking our clients for feedback that way because I'm not perfect. Um, we do the best we can, but I think that if you want to really excel and go to the next level, choosing a coach that's an expert that, that does it your style, I will say from experience, like I have quadrupled my business from working with successful coaches. I know you are, Tim, you, we talked about your coach that you oh, had. Yeah. Like hands down, choosing a successful coach that you resonate with, that you gel with, and then being 100% committed that you're going to do anything and everything and play full out, you will have a dynamite of the year and see things that you never imagined could be possible.
Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. It, it's that community of people around you. It's the people who, who can look into your lives. And like you mentioned, even right, have that transparency with. And, and as you were talking about, you know, really building that 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 a team, you know, one of the things I I heard you say and I think is so important is right. And I would argue and, and I'd be curious what your kind of definition of an a team is. But I think part of it is right. You as the doctor being able to set the vision of the practice and then having the people around you who can help implement it. Right. It's a little bit like Walt and Roy Disney of the Disney Empire. Right? Totally. Walt was the visionary. He had the ideas, but he had no idea how to make any of it happen. That where, yeah. That's where Roy came in. Roy helped him build that vision. And if you look at any great company out there, that's usually how they run. You've got the visionary, the person who says, here's what I want, but I have no idea how to get it. And the other person who says, oh, I can make that happen. Yeah. And accepting, like for me, it was so hard. I'm such a strong visionary. I love to dream. I love to come up with ideas, but I'm not great at building that. I usually skip from A to X and we're like, oh, we miss a thousand different details within. But to accept and realize that there are people out there that love to make the vision happen. They truly like Shelby. Shelby's on my team. Shelby is a rock star. And honestly, all day long, she is so happy to just check off task after task after task and make things super organized and efficient. Oh, that makes me like want to like poke my eyes out to think to do that. And that's okay. Cause for her, she'd want to poke her eyes out having to sit here and dream of the next vision and the next steps of where to go. And so I think it's important as you're building this team, doctors know thyself and be free. If you are a visionary rock on hire a strong implementer, that's going to love and thrive on building your vision for you and with you, like they will do it and they will love it. If you're an implementer, hire a visionary, have a coach that can help you see beyond what you can even see today and be happy with that as well. Like yin and yang and building a team. Also making sure I remember I was at a conference and they said, hire people that are complimentary to you, not necessarily the same as you. I do not care for C personalities on the disc profile, the dominant, the influential, the steady, and the conscientious. Those Cs drive me batty. They are nitpicky. They see the details. They want me to read those contracts a thousand times over. And I'm an I, and I just love people and want to have a good time. But yet I need Cs in my life. I need that C so much because they catch the contract that I'm about to sign off on. And they're like, whoa, Kira, you don't want to sign that. They find the small little details that I'm going to gloss over because I'm more of a big picture versus a detail person. So making sure I've gone to some offices and I'm like, why does nothing get done? Like, guys, we've, we've had this, we've had this, we've had this. And I'm like, oh, it's because all of you are S's. Nobody wants to make the decision here. So you all are very placating of one another. You need to hire somebody who's dominant that's going to shake it up in here just so things can get, move forward. They were terrified, but they hired that dominant person. And guess what? Practice starts flourishing. Things get done. Accountability is in play. So really, really making sure you hire what's complementary and what your practice really needs, not necessarily somebody you want to go like be best friends with. Hire what your business actually needs as well. Yeah, no, great, 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 great advice. So the, the other thing I'm seeing in a lot of practices today is, right, honestly, People, teams, doctors, people are tired today, right? I, it's been an unprecedented two years and, you know, going on three now. And so, so there's just a lot of, you know, kind of drudgery going on. And so how do you prevent burnout in practices today, right? How do you keep that team motivated? How do you keep, how do you as the doctor stay motivated? How do you keep moving along in this crazy world that we live in? Oh, such a good, timely question because, I think a lot of us are feeling this, I call it the 
what do I call it? The COVID crank. That's what I've been calling it. Like, I think we've had grumpy patients. I think people are sick of it. I think people, they're just tired. I mean, also we had a lot of team members turn over last year. So that was more work on the teams that we do have. Um, and so I think there's a, a lot of things. First of all, I'm going to just like, feel like a dead horse today, Tim, but I honestly go back and have that vision in play. Cause I think having a vision, having a path of where you want to go is going to be paramount to keep that, that drive going. Cause you at least know where your end game is, but I think also let's sprinkle in some fun. Um, what I've been doing, and I think something you guys can implement right away is luckily in dentistry, we have four departments. We've got our doctor, our front office, our hygienist, and our dental assistants. You can have others, but that's typically our four, our four departments within a practice. Also, ironically, we have four quarters within a year. So what I've said is create a budget. I don't care if it's $100, $200, $500. It does not matter. The dollar amount is not relevant. We just need to have a budget so your team can take off with it. But schedule quarterly team activities. And each department actually takes over that activity. By doing it as a team, so the departments are responsible for it, um, people are going to show up more <laughs> because they want to support one another. Also, they get to do really fun things. I think we've forgotten to have fun and enjoy each other because COVID has prevented a lot of those things from happening. But there are a lot of options. I've had offices bring in paint and wine into the practice where they've literally done it at the practice. You can have dip day where everybody brings their favorite dips. So chip dips, chili cheese dips, um, and you have it in the break room and we have dip day and everybody has a ton of fun. I've had people do mani pedis. Um, for me, I did an Amazon shopping spree. For my whole team, I gave them so many minutes and so much money and they had to get right to that dollar with the tax amount. Um, and we shipped it all to everybody's homes for an Amazon shopping spree because I can't take them to the store to go shopping per se, but I could do that. Um, giving back, doing a service project in your community. There's so many things you can do. Um, going to sporting events, those are starting to kind of open up depending upon your area. Do ice skating, you could do a gingerbread building contest, like so many fun things that you can do. But I think bringing that fun back in allows the team to almost shut off and to to turn. And so that's a really easy one. And another one is, I believe on what we focus on is what we get. So if we're focused on this burnout, on this negativity, we're going to keep finding ways that that's, that it's present. I mean, we all know that, right? You're going to buy a new car and all of a sudden you see that car all over the freeway. It's not because it's more there. It's just because you're focused on it. So I think shifting that. So I've done, um, you can call it a Bravo jar, a Kudo jar, a gratitude jar, but every week, give everybody at least two cards. Um, and their job by the end of the week is to write some compliment for a team member and put it in that jar. If you want to spice it up, um, once every so often, you could just draw one out of there and somebody gets a gift card. But I really like um, pulling a couple of them out each day, maybe at morning huddle, reading them aloud, because then it's complimenting team members together um, as well. And it's, it's team driven versus doctor driven. And then I'd say docs, gosh, the burnout for you, it's, it's also, I think, making sure you're taking care of yourself. Um, I found as a as an owner, there's a lot that's pulled from my bucket. Um, I'm supporting the team. I'm taking care of patients. I We give a lot. And so finding a way that replenishes yourself each week. So within my week, I my favorite color is pink. So I actually put something in pink in my calendar that is for care that's going to regenerate my bucket. It doesn't mean it's going to be a lot of time. Sometimes it's just sitting on the couch for 30 minutes reading a book. Um, I talk to my spouse and my family to make sure that they know this is my time. This is what I need to regenerate um, and rejuvenate myself. And so really making sure that you're you're doing things that that fill your bucket as well, because it is 
is really easy to get depleted. Mm -hmm. Whatever you need to do on that, making sure you build that personal time in. If you need to take a day off every quarter just for you, do it. Guys, I promise we saw COVID. Most practices actually did just as good, if not better in, and they took off three months and they had never done that before. So, so make sure you're prioritizing yourself, taking care of you is going to be something that will, that's going to sustain you for the long haul. You are the Ferrari. Make sure you're treating yourself as such. Yeah, no, you're so important once again. And I think so often, you know, we may hesitate on taking care of ourselves and we think, oh, that that's selfish. I can't do that. I've got to take care of everyone else around me. But the, the truth is, right, if you're on a plane and that plane loses oxygen, they tell you to put the oxygen mask on yourself first, right. because if you don't, you're not going to be of any use to anyone else. And so, right, taking care of yourself is actually acting out of what I call enlightened self-interest so that you can continue to take care of everyone else around you. So I think that's a super, super important thing to focus on. Amen. And I'm going to just pivot that question back to him and say, if you were an employee working for yourself, so let's say you aren't the employer anymore, <laughs> that you actually had a job and you had to do all the things that you do currently to run that business, would you stay working at that job? Most of us would probably say no. So I would encourage you to treat mm. yourself like a like your top-notch employee, just like you do your other employees, making mm. sure that it's a place you actually would want to work and would want to stay working because I don't think it's fair that we we treat ourselves um, less than we would our team members. Again, I don't, I also don't think it's selfish. At first it is, feels awkward. But like you said, Tim, I think the first couple of times you try, you're like, whoa. I needed that. I talked to Ryan Isaac. He is um, one of the owners of Dennis Advisors. And he said, it's crazy because the doctors actually take time for themselves, whether it's once a month, whether it's once a week, whatever it is, they actually are the ones who are much more successful than all the other ones. And they work less. And he yep. said, isn't that ironic, but it's proven over and over and over again. So I'd say, give yourself a gift and try it this year. Even if it's just one day out of this year that you dedicate to you, even if it's once a week, you give yourself a little time. I promise you, you'll be more successful because you'll your bucket will be filled back up that you can give more um, than you ever thought you could. Yeah, wow. No, hey, Kira, thank you for sharing so generously. And I know I certainly have more tangible ideas that, that I can share with, with my clients, my friends, you know, everything from doing dip days and adding, adding more fun to the practice, to taking care of yourself, to, you know, just really getting clear. And I think that's the most important thing is get clear on your vision. And so before we sign off here, any closing thoughts? My closing thoughts are, don't forget you're in the best profession. Don't forget that you get to create your dream life. So if your life is not what you want it to be, take ownership of that and shift it to what you want it to be. Also, yeah. don't limit your team. Don't uh, limit them. They're magic. Let them be magic um, and, and truly live your dream of a life. Make that into a reality this year. Yeah, I know. Gr great stuff. How can we get in touch with you? How can someone find you if they, they want to learn more or, or have some questions to ask of you? Absolutely. Uh, we love helping you guys out. We have our Dental Team podcast. I think that that's one of the top things they love to, like, that's a great way you can get your team members elevating up as well. Hey, that doctor who said their team's not that way. Uh, make a fun, a fun activity out of listening to the podcast. I've got some fun ideas. You can also email me anytime. Hello at thedentalateam.com. That is the Dental Team, like the Facebook, the Home Depot. We're cool like that. Um, or you can also head on over to our website, thedentalyteam.com. We've got um, free hiring ad samples and interview forms on there, plus our newsletter every single week. We send out um, a lot of tips that are pertinent to right now. So uh, interact with us any of those ways. I'd love to help you guys truly in any way possible. 
Excellent. Well, hey, thank you again for coming on, sharing so generously. And I know I'm certainly more excited about this year. And hopefully as a listener, you are more excited too. And, and I'm going to end this episode the same way we would end every single episode. And don't just listen to this stuff. If you listen to it, you've just wasted the last 43 minutes of your life. But if you take a couple of these ideas, if you go back and implement them, it may just be your best year ever. So until next time, we'll see you again here on Dental Wealth Nation. Thank you again, Kira. Thank you. You've been listening to Dental Wealth Nation. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Join us next time as we pull back the curtain to reveal the often hidden advice and strategies used by today's most successful individuals and families and help maximize your net worth so you can take even better care of the people you love. Until next time, make sure to hit the website at DentalWealthNation.com. 